Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Today in Web3. This morning, we already went through the basics of the CFTC Binance lawsuit, but I had more questions. I want to talk to somebody. I want to know what happens if these digital assets become a commodity and not a security or vice versa. What happens to the future of Binance, Binance.us? Does this lawsuit even matter when it comes to the global consequences to Binance.com? Is this all political? Choke point 2.0. And who's in the wrong? Chung Panjiao and Binance? The CFTC? Or both? That's why I welcomed on Leo Mizuhara, the CEO of Hashnote. Enjoy our conversation. And a quick note, I messed up. An amateur mistake. I didn't switch my earbuds to my microphone. So I apologize in advance for the audio quality. Enjoy. Leo Mizuhara, CEO of Hashnote. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matt. Great to have, great to be on. Absolutely, thank you for coming on so short notice. So the reason why we have you on today is because you know the CFTC is going to sue Binance, a CZ Zhao. Uh, there's a lot of things in play. We know about a lot of the details that was in the CFTC's uh, release for the lawsuit. However, we don't have much conversation yet going on about like maybe the downstream effects of this. And so I wanted to let you, I want you to tell us. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that Binance is going to be in trouble? Do you think that it's actually going to have any effect to the global cryptocurrency environment? Do you think that Binance the U.S. and us U.S. citizens are going to have some kind of effect? Yeah, I think there are a variety of effects here. So I think we need to think about both the effects within the U.S. and outside the U.S. It's worth noting that despite being a U.S. lawsuit, this is a lawsuit against Binance Holdings, CZ, Samuel Lim, and a bunch of their entities. So we do need to look at both implications. I think there are soft implications for the uh, for the industry at large that we can go talk about, but there are also some very hard implications about uh, for Binance and CZ that we should talk about as well. Okay, so what I, I, I'm looking at is because look, the the global aspect of, we, we already saw what Binance did. When Binance.com got shut down in the United States, they just moved out and they're doing fine. They set up Binance.us, people have been using Binance.us in a certain way of like, um, 
you know, they put some of their coins on there, some of their altcoins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on and so forth. They all have been on Binance at US. But globally, Binance has been thriving. I don't see this CFTC um, lawsuit actually affecting Binance as a whole. Do you? I actually do. Um, I think when we look at Binance as a whole, there's a lot of activity still coming from the US. And so we've seen that even within this lawsuit, right? One of the, one of the um, phrases that was in there was a quote from one of their guys saying that there is a Chicago law firm, unnamed Chicago law firm, that's like 12% of their flow. And that's just one firm. So I think there's a lot of US flow on there. I think the US is a big part of their profitability. And I think this is a, a huge shot across the bow for all of these. There's a lot of this kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just go outside the US and VPN in, right? And the CFTC is really saying, hey guys, like stop that. You can't target US customers and even explicitly help them come onto your platform and act like you're not in US jurisdiction because hey guys, you are. So why is Binance even doing this? I mean, if you can, why don't they just set up Binance.us to uh, cater to the Chicago uh, firm that you were talking about and move all that traffic to them? Why do we even want to go through uh, the .com? I mean, is it just because they have different altcoins or cryptocurrency digital assets listed there? So therefore they want to, you know, make, get involved, exposure to those? Or is it just something else? I think that's a great question, and that's uh, that's going to be one of the questions around how this evolves forward, right? Can we can they set up a U.S. entity? You know, they would have to register, and I think one of the one of the things that we're seeing here is uh, it's really the same line of attack that the CFTC had with Bitmex back in the day. They're saying that, hey guys, you're you're acting as a DCM, as so like um, in TradFi, right? We we have these different things that you have to register for. DCM is. Uh, um, Give me a second, I will think of it. Um, DCM is de designated contract market. A DCO is a der derivatives clearing organization and an FCM is a futures clearing merchant. And they're acting as all three of these. And that's something that you have to register with the authorities to do. And they have different laws around them. And Binance was, Binance and you know previously BitMEX were completely avoiding this altogether, right? They're just acting as if, hey, we're outside of US jurisdiction, it doesn't matter anymore. And uh, one of the interesting features about this, I think, is that the FCM one in particular, uh, that sets up a precedent for criminal charges down the line. So if Binance actually gets indicted and is found guilty of being an FCM, um, you then set up criminal charges because as an FCM, you actually have to uh, abide by the Bank Secrecy Act and that's a criminal charge. So if they are not doing sufficient KYC AML, uh, it sets up a very bad uh, criminal indictment for for Binance, but potentially also for CZ and Samuel Lim. And I think that's uh, one of the hard um, repercussions that might come of this that they need to watch out for. So that goes back to just my original point then. It's like, look, it doesn't matter where CZ is. CZ hasn't been in the United States for a while. He hasn't stepped foot in China for a while. I mean, so, what does it matter if the CFTC is actually suing him and Samuel because they haven't been here anyway and Binance.com is going to operate just perfectly outside of the United States. So what if they close down Binance.us? I'm going to be upset because some of my coins are not going to be up there and I'll sell them and I'll move them into Bitcoin or I'll just hold the cash or I'll put them into Tesla stock or something else. What does it actually even matter? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So twofold, first on the individual humans, right? Uh, Doquan was in Serbia. And the Korean authorities eventually picked him up. I, 
I think it's pretty hard to evade the authorities for too long. And maybe you can, but it's kind of shit lifestyle. So, you know, maybe it matters for them. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I think the individual part is perhaps less important. Um, I think talking about the implications of the market in the U.S. is really interesting, right? We're going to have some reduced uh, liquidity. As a U.S. investor, if you, if you VPN into Binance, you actually get better liquidity. Like Binance was the best liquidity, best central liquidity provider out there. And that's, sure. that's a hit to the market. Uh, especially if U.S. institutions can't market make on market make on there anymore, that's going to be a hit. Uh, we see the SEC coming after Coinbase. Like a lot of our exchanges are kind of reducing their liquidity, right? Um, I think on top of that, we should generally be thinking about what does derivative availability look like for U.S. users right now. Without Binance, uh, U.S. users really have very few choices as to how to access the derivatives market, right? The CME is one way, right? That's why the CFTC is claiming uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin as commodities. Like clearly they're now listed on the CME and their uh, futures are traded actively there. Uh, perhaps not great capital use and such, but you know, there's an active trading venue. You can also trade OTC, but to trade OTC, uh, you need to be an ECP you, as, a, as an entity, right? You need to have more than, I think it's 10 million in, in assets to be able to do that. So that's pretty limiting as well. So we are now seeing um, a significant limitation on derivatives exposure for U.S. traders. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons why we uh, we started Hashnote in the same space because Hashnote is actually another way, and you know, very importantly, another regulated way to access derivatives as a U.S. customer. And so, and not just for trading, right? We we are offering this this product primarily for uh, derivatives markets end users and um, and asset managers in in this very regulatory compliant way. We're actually we're actually registered with the CFTC as a CPO. And so as these choices really narrow down, as we shut down these overseas choices, um, our, our, our ability to access these products really has to come through a regulated venue. And I think that's fairly important. Like if you're, if you're trying to get access to these products, you don't really wanna be on a venue where they're unregulated, they don't have transparency over where their funds are, or um, or where they're giving kind of special treatment to specific market makers, like that's another kind of open rumor around Binance, um, in order to increase the profitability of those market makers, right? You really want your orders to be treated fairly. So I think that's another implication here of uh, our availability within the US of these derivative markets and the fairness of these markets as well. Uh, speaking of, uh, of that, and we're talking about, you know, commodities and securities, you know, I, I kind of, it feels to me, and, and because, you know, you just met, put, uh, brought up Hashnote, you brought up re regulated commodities trading and derivatives and so on and so forth. Uh, but it seems to me that there is a political battle going on between some of the um, regulators. It seems as though the, the SEC is trying to move in and call like all of these digital asset securities. And so that it, then it falls under the SEC. It also seems as though, as though the CFTC has made this move um, pretty abruptly in the wake of the Wells notice of from coin uh, to Coinbase to try to call everything in that, which they did in this in the lawsuit called everything a commodity. While um, the SEC has only called Bitcoin a commodity, everything else they're trying to allude it to is a security. Do you see or do you feel that this is a political battle to see who's going to have this regulate who's going to be the regulatory body to control these digital assets? Um, and why would they want to control them? Is that because that they they will get more government funding or more support from uh, whoever Congress or the power of the purse to put more money into their uh, regulatory body? And what are the 
downstream effects of if these things are securities or if these things are commodities, these digital assets are securities or commodities. Cool. So let's break this up again as well into two parts, right? The first thing let's talk about is the political battle and if that exists, and then we'll come back to the part about the commodities thing. Um, so I actually kind of think that this political battle, it's something the media likes to talk about a lot. I think they play it up because there's like people love this like battle between personalities kind of narrative, right? I, I don't think there's that much of a political battle necessarily. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll sandwich this with a no, yes, no kind of response. Um, so, so basically I think no answer. Overplayed. Gotcha. Understood. Well, there's, <laughs> there's definitely this like, you know, there's, it's, I think it's definitely overplayed. And it's a hard place to regulate because we've seen that some of these tokens can go from commodity to security and back to commodity. And it's like, what, do I, what am I supposed to do with something that dynamic? Um, however, to your point, um, the commodities, I'm going to call them commodities, the commodities that were mentioned in the CFTC, Smart. Uh, yeah, I yeah they, they said it. So, you know, I can, I can say it too. Uh, they've named Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, BUSD, and uh, USDT, right? Uh, BUSD was kind of already grabbed by the SEC, right? The Wells notice from the SEC to Paxos is basically their way of saying, hey, BUSD is a security. And the CFTC is now saying, no, BUSD is actually a commodity. We regulate the space. And so if anything, I think that serves your point. I think that shows that there is a little bit of a turf war about to go on here. And we're setting that up right now. Like this is the one thing where they're going to come to head is uh, stable coins. Uh, and then I'm going to go back to the no part of my argument. I'm more concerned that this is a little bit of a coordinated attack, right? You mentioned the SEC against Coinbase. We have the CFTC now, which I think has been, I think they've been building up this case for years. So it's a little bit of a coincidence, uh, but a lot of people are talking about Operation Choke Point 2. We, we just had them shutting down uh, Silvergate and, um, and Signature, right? Signature looks like kind of like an eminent domain kind of play, like, even Barney Frank is looking at that and being like, hey, why'd you take my equity? Um, and then we've got this, uh, these, SEC, uh, these SEC lawsuits coming up and the CFTC lawsuits. I'm, I'm more worried about choke point two than I am about a political battle between the CFTC and SEC. No, I, no, okay, so I know you had like a yes or no answer, and, and, and I, I, res, I respect that. Um, but maybe the only thing I got out of that is kind of like, doesn't it prove that digital assets are actually more complicated maybe. Maybe it's just not, maybe it's just that, that the uh, CFTC is saying hey, it's a commodity and the SEC is saying, hey, it's a, it's a security. And the actual matter or actual fact is kind of like you alluded to is they are both. Sometimes they are a security. Sometimes they are a commodity. Sometimes they are a, they are a money or a, a, a form of payment, which could, should be taxed and thought of as differently than both of them. Isn't it just showing that the complexity of this whole new Web3 digital asset space, what, what people are trying to build and maybe the future of the internet? I think that's exactly right, right? If we, if we look at the rest of the world, they don't really, they don't really distinguish between commodities and non, or commodities and securities, right? They're all regulated by one uh, regulator. Uh, we see Europe having come out with Mika now, and that is, you know, as much as people complain about it, or mostly complaints I see at least, um, at least it's a, it's a single formed piece of regulation and a lot of people are gonna start following it. Um, in the U.S., we 
we somehow ended up into this, like, I, I think it's a path dependency problem, right? I think there was like a path dependency where we formed the CFTC, then we formed the SEC, and then we have this conflict now. But, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have that. And that's, uh, I think it's just an unfortunate path, path dependency that ended up here with this uh, confusion around two different regulators. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? Like these things, like you say, can be regulated in a variety of ways. And, um, you know, they, they will have to be because some of these things, you know, one of the products that we look at a lot are what's currently called uh, real world assets. You're, you're familiar with the whole RWA space, yep. Um, those are clearly securities, right? They're called asset-backed securities in <laughs> TradFi. Right. Right. Um, so those will be securities. I think some of these other things like Bitcoin, I think even the SEC is such a commodity. Like it's, there's so much richness there and that's why it's so valuable, right? The fact that these are like programmable finance Legos makes them incredibly powerful and valuable, but you know, maybe we shouldn't be throwing them in the same box as everything else. One thing we, we I, I did ask, but you didn't answer, and I really want to know this, I think a lot of people want to know this, is what does the future look like if it is a security or these assets are securities and what does it look like if they are commodities? I mean, you, you said that, well, let's call them uh, commodities because they did. And obviously that helps you because of the business that you're, you're building. Um, but what does it look like if it's a security? Yeah, I think, It'd be, it's going to be very hard to say everything is a security or everything is a commodity. Um, I think there's a fair argument for a lot of these things to be securities. And that's fine. Um, there's, there is nothing wrong with clear regulation around things that are cl clearly securities, like asset-backed securities are securities. And um, it just means that it kind of looks a lot like TradFi, right? You have to register all these things that you're doing. It doesn't mean that you don't get the the benefits of kind of decentralized ownership, you get the benefits of transparency, the speed, the efficiency of a blockchain network. A lot of benefits do accrue there, but yeah, in certain um, in certain certain jurisdictions, you're going to have to register those things. I think everything is a commodity is equally difficult, right? Asset-backed securities are going to be securities. Bitcoin is going to be a commodity. There's going to be a lot of gray area in between, and um, I think the the ones we have to worry about are the ones that's flipped back and forth. And how how are we possibly going to wrap our heads around that? And do we do we push a lot of this overseas because of the U.S.'s inability to wrap their heads around it? Um, mm -hmm. I do have a fair bit of optimism around um, America has this way of waiting till the last possible second and then suddenly changing course and doing the right thing. And I have a little bit of optimism yeah. around that, I'm hoping. Um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, we're in a weird political environment and there's a lot going on. So uh, maybe they won't. Um, I'm quite concerned to kind of take this down a slightly different path. Um, quite concerned about the, uh, the reserve currency status of the US dollar. And if this, uh, if this inability to capture the value of cryptocurrency is gonna challenge their reserve currency status. I think they're already being challenged in a variety of ways. And these, um, the bank runs that happened a couple weeks ago have clearly shown that some people are willing to run to Bitcoin when you have the, uh, the strength of the dollar being challenged. And uh, that's a really interesting path to explore and see what happens in the near future. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you alluded to something there, and I, I'm going to just tie it into what you just said as well. You said choke point 2.0. And yeah. um, we've been seeing a lot of, let's just call them coincidences. We see that there is... Um, Bipartisan, there's never bipartisan anything in, in, in the past decade here in the United States, uh, but bipartisan support for um, crypto regulations. There's bipartisan support for um, this new uh, restrict act. There's bipartisan support to, you know, kick t- TikTok out of the country. There's bipartisan support now that is qu- going to clamp down on cryptocurrencies and make uh, some sort of regulations. There's uh, companies coming out that are going to say, hey, um, we never liked crypto, kind of like NVIDIA today. They were just like, oh, the CTO was just like, you know what? It was always crap. We made money off it, but it was always crap. Um, we see that where banks seemingly, or at least some Congress people uh, alluded to it, that were seemingly were targeted purposely because of their, their hosting um, monies or crypto assets, uh, Signature Bank being it, or, S- or SVB um, being part of the whole startup, you know, the whole startup uh, uh, industry and cycle and a lot of crypto companies being in there as well. You said choke point 2.0, and then you said Fed Reserve currency. We see inflation, we see uh, bank runs, and so on and so forth. Do you do you think that this is an effort by the Biden administration, or just you know maybe the put on our tinfoil hat some kind of shadowy uh, back secret government that's controlled by the Fed, or or do, do you see that there's something more at play here? Because there's a lot of coincidences, and I don't believe too much in coincidence. Yeah, I I try to avoid this debate because I'm very much anti tin hat. This is- but this is not a debate. There's a this lot is a of question. There are a lot of coincidences, <laughs> yes. And um, I think Signature Bank was a big one for me. I was pretty surprised at the outcome of Signature Bank. And um, I'm also were you quite using surprised. Signature Bank? We were, yes. Oh, okay. And, so this, uh, this, this came to a surprise for you. You were, you were everything yeah. was fine until it wasn't. Uh, and it was still fine, honestly. Like the the bank still functions, <laughs> and they they still do everything they're supposed to do. But now they're owned by a different company, right? Right. Um, but. The thing that's interesting to me um, about what seems like a coordinated attack here is that I think they've misplayed their hand, right? As soon as this all happened, cryptocurrencies jumped 25, 30%. And it's because they don't seem to understand, like the whole point of Bitcoin was to be a censorship resistant currency. And they've literally shown that the US wants to censor that currency and we've we've established that your ability to spend and you spend your money use the banking system is a form of free speech, right? And when they try to censor that, uh, Bitcoin jumps because the censorship resistant currency is the thing that people flock to when when governments start to overplay their hand. 
And I think that's a really fascinating um, turn of events. And I think it really requires the regulators or the government, and government's hard to say, right? Government is a giant coordination problem with lots of players at hand, but um, it really requires a thinking strategically about you know, what are they really trying to do? Because proving the use case of Bitcoin by attacking cryptocurrency is not, that was not their goal. Right, right. I guess last question I was really curious about, <clears throat> because when Coinbase got served their Wells notice, you know, the crypto community pretty much in mass came out and said, we support Coinbase, right? And which we do. Um, very much do. Brian Armstrong saying you're doing a great job. Yes, very, very much do. And, I, and we saw with their communications with uh, the SEC Gary Gensler or their attempted communications with the SEC Gary Gensler, uh, that they were trying to be very transparent. They're trying to basically get the rules of the, of the, of the game. They're trying to create products that fit within a regulatory structure or even create said regulatory structure with the SEC, the CFTC or Congress or whoever. It seems as though they're very willing to work with it. And then still the Wells notice came and they're kind of like, wait, what, what do we do wrong? Right? Right. With this, with the CFTC, however, it seems as though that there are ex a little bit of Let's just call it, call it what it is, a little bit of Binance fuckery in the background, right? Um, that we're, was trying to um, purposely evade the regulations of certain countries, or in, in, namely here in the United States, and thinking that there will be, not any, there, there will be no repercussions. Maybe creating shell um, or fake departments in Binance uh, to make it show like we're being compliant, but they really weren't, and everything actually went through CZ. Um, do do you agree that there is fuckery going on with Binance that is that we should probably be concerned about as an industry that says, hey, what we're trying to build here is something more like you like you said, you know, we're, the, the choke point two point is actually proven the use case of Bitcoin, right? <laughs> Even though there's this and, and uh, Ethereum, right? They're all censored and Ethereum because of the exactly yeah. exactly. So it, it's proving proving that these things work like planned. Um. But the things that's bringing down this industry are people in the back end that are not operating correctly. Sam Bateman frees. And now we see that it could be, and am I right or wrong with this, CZ. I think that's exactly right. We have so many bad actors in the cryptocurrency sphere right now. And on one hand, I think some of that happens because you've pushed it out of the US. Um, you know, I have... This is a little bit of a spicy take, but let's go for it, right? I, go for it. I think the U.S., it's super regulated. And if you go abroad, the amount of fuckery, as you put it, we see abroad in general is incredible. Like even mm -hmm. in other first world countries, you travel out there, people are trying to take your money. There's all sorts of piracy. There's There are people who are committing frauds. And it's... There is nowhere in the world where the rule of law within finance is as well regarded as it is, as it is in the U.S. And mm. that's why the U.S. financial system is the dominant financial system in the world. It's why we have the, the reserve currency. And it's, it's something that I think America is kind of taking for granted right now. And it's one of the reasons why I think uh, they, they are likely to, well, they're putting their reserve currency status at risk right now by overplaying their hand with this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, overall, you do see a very orderly financial market here in the US. And um, yeah, it's just, 
I, I think it illustrates like we, we can we illustrate how how good a financial market it is when you don't expect things like CZ and SBF to occur in the US and that these these giant frauds are all happening outside the US. We push them outside where we could no longer look carefully at their books and regulate what they're doing. And guess what happens? Like these people show up and they become huge. We don't have that here. And I think that's a that's something the US can be proud of, but they need to defend that that ability to keep the companies here, keep the GDP within the US and uh, and regulate them fairly. I think we I think the CFTC is doing the right thing here, right? Going after a a foreign player who is clearly skirting the rules and setting the rules up quite clearly, right? They they aren't making anything new up here. They did this with Bitmax. They're they're very clear that if you have U.S. customers, you follow U.S. rules. Um, and I I just wish that all regulators would be equally clear. It is one of the reasons why we decided to register with the CFTC for Hashnode as well. You kind of created a chicken and egg situation here, right? With for, for the United States, it's it's one of the best regulated financial markets. Therefore, it is probably the safest. Um, there's not as much in where we're going to use fuckery um, as even in um, developed nations around the world. Um, here, because of the regulations, because of the frameworks, because of the systems, the institutions. Yet at the same time, um, people like FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, um, you know. Um, Arthur Hayes, uh, now CZ Zhao, you see that they needed to set up outside because of these systems. Do these systems actually have validity then? Do you think that these products that they're offering um, actually have validity if you can't set them up in a well-regulated market like the United States with ease? Or is it just the United States that has the issue because you can't do it with ease? Or can you do it with ease? Because I've never set these up. I have no clue how to set up an exchange or derivatives or anything. Is it is it easy to do? And they're just saying, you know what? Screw you, United States government, and we're going to do it somewhere else, or what? I think there's a so cop out argument is there's a little bit of all of it, but certainly, okay. certainly, <laughs> you know, if we gradate these things, it is easier to set up without regulation than with regulation, right? That's clear, and well, obvious, it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. that. Like clearly, you would go abroad for that reason. But there's a lot of money in the U.S., right? If you want to maximize the amount of money you can make, you have to tackle the U.S. financial system. And, you know, that's what Binance did, right? They skirted the law and said, but we need to serve U.S. customers because that's where the money is. And so, yeah, they it, it is more difficult. Um, it is even more difficult now because of this perceived hostility by the U.S. regulators. Um, Personally, I think that hostility is coming more from the SEC than CFTC, right? I think the CFTC, like nobody here is looking at this lawsuit and being like, oh, they're being unfair to Binance, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking at this Binance thing, we're being like, wow, what a bunch of fuckers. Um, (laughs) The SEC, not to like, I mean, we we saw the Voyager case, right? The the judge's ruling from the Voyager case, that was quite startling, right? It, <clears throat> the judge was quite clear about his opinions on the matter, um, mm-hmm. and we all try to support Brian Armstrong, and we think that they're trying to do their best to stay within regulation too. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a there's a little bit of excess difficulty right now in setting some of these things up, and it might be pushing some of these companies away. 
Um, but I, again, I, I like to be optimistic about the US system. I think that uh, good products will come about. Uh, Franklin Templeton has that Benji product. They've created a product there that's pretty good. Um, I think in general, um, our incubator, Cumberland Labs, is trying to find ways where they can create regulated product as well. Um, and I think that's the next step in the evolution of crypto. I think we are generally moving toward this next step where a lot of things are gonna be regulated and we're gonna to have to pick and choose where we're gonna be regulated, how we're gonna, like, and that's what banks do, right? Each bank needs to pick its regulatory environment, where it's gonna set up shop, what customers it's gonna to cater to. And, um, you know, it's part of the maturation of the cryptocurrency environment. Okay, so if I'm interpreting, if I'm gonna break down this whole conversation and interpret it, um, we do see actual fuckery with Binance and CZ. Um, I will say that you say that not, you said everybody is looking at Binance going like, oh, what a bunch of fuckers. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of people just saying, you know, uh, liberty, freedom across the board. They should be able to do this, you know, set up a shop however they want and, and offer these digital assets. So there is that argument as well. Maybe more libertarian. Uh, however, <sighs> we see the dangers in that, you know, as, as well. So, I mean, both arguments can be had. But anyway, breaking it back down, um, that Binance is, you know... <clears throat> lost my train of thought there for a second, one second. Um, if I was going to sum up, sum up this whole conversation is that, okay, so this seems very much, and I hate to use this analogy because it's been used way too much. Uh, the internet of the 90s, we have a lot of companies that set up shop, a lot of companies that, that really were trying to play in an unregulated environment. I mean, even Amazon was doing the same thing when they weren't paying taxes or from state to state to state sales taxes until they figured out how to do that. The bigger companies that want to play ball, the bigger companies that are, that are going to um, figure out the regulations, the bigger companies that have enough capital to work through said regulations are probably going to come out on top, on top and then we will see these behemoths in the crypto space, in those crypto finance or digital asset finance space. Maybe it'll be a $1 trillion uh, market cap or $2 trillion market cap Coinbase um, and not all these little companies that are trying to just uh, duck and jive and hustle in the, in the background. Um, in, in the early stages of this industry. Is that what I hear in this whole, if I was to put everything in a nutshell? I think that end state is not the end state that I expect. Um, I oh, think what's your end state the, then? I think the end state has a lot more players. I actually think that when I think of DeFi, right, I don't think of DeFi in terms of this completely decentralized, everyone self-custody is like super libertarian world. Um, I actually see a world of uh, certainly that part of DeFi will still exist where it's full self-custody, anyone can get access. I think it's gonna be relatively small. Um, I think there's gonna be a lot of this kind of CeFi, DeFi merging where you have these like this subset of walled gardens where people can act in a slightly safer manner, somewhere where you know, you're not afraid that you're gonna get rugged as soon as you touch a website, which like, honestly, it's pretty scary out there right now. Um, and you know the regulations will be more clear, so those companies will be easier to set up. And um, instead of the current state where we have these banks, we have these got we've got these like you know, Black BlackRock. BlackRock has ten trillion dollars in assets, right? That's, That's insane. crazy. That's crazy. Uh, we've got like the other big players, Fidelity, uh, Vanguard, right? Three trillion, six trillion. That's uh. I don't think that's the world of the future. I think we're going to have a lot more smaller players. We're going to have smaller asset managers, smaller banks, smaller general financial service providers, because it's so easy to provide good software with 
different features to the market. And I do think that you'll have to go through some sort of regulation to enter these various walled gardens, which is like trying to give your product to different customers in different countries, right? Kind of same sort of paradigm, but it's gonna be so much easier to provide the service. It's gonna be so much more secure because it's cryptographically secured through a blockchain. Uh, you're gonna be able to do this so much more with your money and other assets for that matter. Like maybe you, you're like, we're financializing all of our assets, right? And so I think there's gonna be a lot of power in that and a lot more variety in how you can use your wealth. Um, and that that is hugely accretive for humans, right? We're gonna get lots of small companies providing with lots of services. It's not, it's not gonna be just like your choices are Bank of America, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, BlackRock, apparently. <laughs> it's, I, I, I think there will be some democratization there and it won't be you know, Coinbase and JP Morgan standing at the end of it. I hope well, I'm, like that's... well, I, I hope I hope not too, but I I, I will bet on the, on the former than the latter. I think it will be the Coinbase's, the Circles, and there will be new emerging companies. I think that the ten trillion dollar um, cap of for BlackRock uh, is going to be very is going to be small in the future. I think that when we have these new digital assets, obviously um, that's going to be packing different kinds of uh, ways to. A bundle of not only real world assets but also uh, digital assets. We're, you're going to create a, a global G GDP that that is going to be that's going to dwarf what we have now. And these companies are now going to be global. We're going to have this decentralized global entity that's able to move money at the speed of you know of 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 need. And uh, you're going to see, I, I think, multi trillion dollar companies is going to be the small company, and they'll be under. The, the BlackRock with the 30, 40, 50, 60 trillion dollars, and it's going to be an absolute behemoth. That's the, that's the future, I think, because you could purchase companies, you could purchase assets, you can, uh, you know, be the on and off ramp for many different providers, even if there's, there's small different players in there, they all have to go through some kind of intermediary, and they all, you know, comply to regulations that may be under a global umbrella of this uh, decentralized DeFi, decentralized asset class uh, controlled by BlackRock. Uh, but you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I just can't see that being smaller players. I think it's gonna be small players is going to be the one, two, three trillion dollar companies. Maybe that's right. So I guess my question to you would be: Do you think there would be more companies doing this or less? Right? Is it gonna be? Are there gonna be more financial companies or fewer financial companies, even if they're big? I, I, that's a good, that's a good question. I think that we're gonna see an explosion in what, what, what is. Um, we're going to see an explosion in global GDP because we're going to start actually looking at the digital space. And the moment we get like the whole meta virtual, um, you know, um, collectible kind of things down into how that actually works out into, uh, you know, real money yep. in air quotes, real money. Um, I think then we're going to see an explosion. I think we're going to see, I think we're going to actually all together see less, but more companies being to build, build on those on and off ramps. For example, if we are going to see gaming web three, um, the, uh, artists and so on and so forth. I think there would be some sort of hub or, or like, you know, a connection that everybody kind of works through to get on and off into this digital space. Plus that digital space has the bridge over into the physical space and the tangible real world assets as well. So there'd be less companies, but more people being accessed to those companies. That's kind of the way yeah. I see it. I could, I could see that world. I, I think that it's going to be like triple the number of companies. I think mm. if we think of the current TradFi space as like, you know, one set of companies. I think maybe you create another set of companies that are fully virtual, and then you create a bridge set of companies. So 
you've got kind of like three big categories of companies and potentially they're all as big as or bigger than the current set of TradFi financial companies, right? So we've well, created that, yeah. this like explosion of financial companies, both digital, non-digital, mixed, and they're all enormous. And I think that's a great outcome, right? That's that's the that's the world we want, where there's tons of wealth around the world, and we're all living in this kind of AI future where we can live cushily through through our financial means. Like we'll we'll see 100%. if that optimism works. <laughs> the only pushback I have to that one is, is that I don't see why they wouldn't purchase it, or or that some kind of financial uh, troubles would allow for them to get acquired by other companies, or, or uh, just like we're seeing with. Yeah. X bank acquiring SBB, a smaller bank, or signature and so on and so forth. And we're honestly consolidating. Even we saw it in Credit, Credit Suisse, right? You know, Credit yeah. Suisse is a big bank. It's being you know bought up by a bigger bank. It's just I, I just don't see how little companies can. It's kind of like startups. Startups they want to be acquired. They want to sell. They want to exit. Why? Because yeah. it's a good payday, and that in the Amazons or the or the Googles or the Apples of the world gets that tech, gets that innovation, gets a great founder, great a great innovator, and and puts them into their fold. That's I, I think that's just inevitable that it just consolidates. And yeah. maybe your future is the is the near term future, and the future that I'm talking about is the 100, 200, 300 years down the road. But I guess we'll find out. Leo, thank you for going over our. 15 minute conversation today. It was fun. I hope everybody finds value of this. Um, and I can't wait to see you back on the show again. Great to meet you, Matt. Great having, great being on the show. Have a great day. Hey everyone. The bull run is coming. It's coming quick and you need to be up to date on everything that's happening in the web three space. So please follow us on Twitter and like subscribe, share these videos so we can keep you up to date daily on web three news.